hosted by Dean Kitabowski, produced by Davis Piper. We're about to talk to some really interesting people. Get ready. That's the best. <laughs> All right, Rob Kligman. Hello. Nice to meet everybody. Nice to say hello and see everyone. You're going to have to give me your full title because it is a mouthful. Ooh, yeah. Full title of work? Yes, yes. Who yes. is a VP of Marketing Operations and Talent Management. How does one so get a nice title like that? Yeah, you got to work hard for it, yeah. really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I always tell people, negotiate hard as you enter a company and get what you want. But yeah, it's a long title, sometimes shortened, but mm-hmm. used to, uh, to better the, the opportunity at work. And that was a point you made when I met you, actually. You, were, you said that it's important to jump around. Like, don't stay tied down to one place. Yeah, I think find the places that you want to go and that you enjoy. But I think at the early stages of your career, you have an opportunity to move around, increase salary, um, and really figure out where you want to land. Um, and I don't think the days of truly staying 10 to 15 years at a company really exist any longer. So companies change so quickly because the mediums change so quickly. Three right. years ago, maybe... One of, you know, Spotify might not have been around. So all of a sudden you've got new mediums that keep coming and changing the landscape of how we obtain content. So get to it. Go enjoy what you got to do and try something new and do something on the side and just stay busy. Right. I know a lot of people have taken the mindset at this point. No point in staying loyal because they won't be loyal to you. What do you think about that? that idea I, I do agree with it to be honest with you i think you always have to look out for yourself um so that means always sort of interviewing on the street understanding what's coming down the pipeline c- creating connections networking um because as i said earlier companies change consistently they're always revolving i always say that they make the trades for correcting what they did incorrectly two years before mm-hmm. so they're always trying to figure it out and a lot of times they just go in a circle back and forth and and for you, that's going to be frustrating at times. So take a look at other opportunities and just always keep your eye on the street. Important to keep yourself out of collateral damage. Type yeah, thing, very right? much so. Yep. And just you know, get the most out of the company. Be as loyal as you can, work as hard as you can, and then close the book at the end of the day and just feel good about yourself that you worked that hard and move on. That being said, you worked at WWE, which <laughs> I have to say I think is the coolest job on the planet. <laughs> I, I may challenge you because I also worked at Sports Illustrated. So Ooh. growing up and cutting the covers off of those magazines yeah, and putting yeah. them on my walls. You work with the, the, the swimsuit cool. editions. I <laughs> left that out just now, but 100% I did. Uh, swimsuit edition was awesome. It's a franchise in itself. But back to WWE, a pretty amazing opportunity to work for them. Obviously born and raised in Stanford, Connecticut. Never really envisioned working for World Wrestling Entertainment. But when I really started to look at the company, Storytelling. Life is all about storytelling, and they do such a good job of creating characters and manipulating those characters into good people, bad people, and changing it around and coming up with a storyline. So it's a powerful organization globally, uh, about 500 events a year. So it's kind of like 500. 500. It's kind of like a traveling circus. Yeah. They pick up, they go to one place, they pick up from there, and they go to the next place. Mm. So it's a pretty wild experience. And You've got iconic stars. If you think about the, you know, what it's created, you have iconic stars that generations over time talk about. It's kind of like Disney where you or Steven Spielberg, you talk about old movies and old characters. Same thing is really relevant for World Wrestling Entertainment. People know Pinocchio and Andre the Giant. Yeah, like, Hulk Hogan, just synonymous, yeah. oh, right? Yeah. You, you grow up with it, you see it. The Rock, everybody mm-hmm. forgets The Rock mm-hmm. started out at, at yeah. WWE. John Cena. John Ever. Cena, you're right. Dave Batiste, yes. these, all these big guys. The, the, the line of characters yep. continues, and they're awesome. We would do deals, like G Fuel as an example, but we would do deals with different advertisers, 
And it was amazing how quickly they could read their lines because in mm. reality, they're, they're actors, but they're also athletes. Right. So it's pretty wild. And, and I say a lot of times content is king. And when you look at a media organization, the ones that have content are the ones that are going to stay around because there's so much consumption on different verticals, whether it be Snap, whether it be Facebook, Instagram. Content allows you to expand your audience and take snippets and snackable content and put it on different platforms. So right. for that reason, WWE was pretty wild. But to be able to experience WrestleMania when actually hearing about WrestleMania yeah. for years and years and years was pretty iconic. Something different, right? Yeah, yeah. really. Looking at the, at the fans, I think the biggest, the most incredible thing about World Wrestling Entertainment is you can go to an event, every different person in the stands will have a different shirt on. You go to a Yankee game, everybody's wearing the same jersey. Yankees jersey. Yeah, yep. hands down. Mm. So when you see that and you experience it, it's just wild. They all have their favorite characters from present to past. So when you see that, you really understand the fandom. You know, uh, people talk a lot about the benefits of uniformity for like everybody at a Yankees game wearing the same jersey. I personally never understood that. I like everybody being able to show off what they want to show off with their clothes specifically. Which I can say at King School has been an issue for the last. Come on, yeah, <laughs> they won't. Course. They won't adjust their dress code. Um, <laughs> well, you're lucky because I was in tie and jacket back in the day. Were you really? Yeah, times yep. have changed. Yep, you could wear your varsity jacket without your sport coat, but that was the only exception. Okay, so yeah, okay. times have changed. That being said, I appreciate you coming back to your alma mater. Yeah, there's something special about walking mm. through the doors. I think there's something special about walking through the gymnasium or actually walking across the football field. Right. Um, I think you never lose that feeling of where it all started. And it right. started here. This is the foundation that sort of triggered who I was going to be moving forward. And uh, I always respect that. And the times I had here, the friends I've made, the teachers I respected, you just you, you never forget it. It's a foundation that always runs with you. Right. I know a lot of kids say they don't want to come back here after they graduate. I don't understand that. I think they taught us too much to take it for granted. Yeah. You know? I, I think it takes sometimes a couple years to really – Think about what it really means. Mm -hmm. um, high school was hard, I will say, right? It, it was. It's not, <laughs> not easy. That. Yeah, not easy. And I think for you, going to BC next, um, you're going to experience being on your own, figuring out if you go to class or you don't want to go to class, mm -hmm. figuring out if you need help or you don't need help. And that's where you really mature and you really understand who you are and, and what it takes to get something done. Right. Um, and, and what it takes to be satisfied, right? Are you satisfied with just going to class a couple days you know, during the term or do you have to go every day? Right. You know, so it's all on you now, whereas I think in high school, it's a lot of dictating. They tell you what to do, and some people don't like to be told what to do. Right. Um, and so you're going to experience in college that freedom to be able to be who you are and understand whether you need to take the next step. That decision-making. That's it. That's, that's what makes or breaks a person, yeah. 100%. If, someone, if someone's telling you what to do, like in school every day, they come and find you if you don't come to class, I don't think that builds character. Come on. No, 100%. <laughs> I agree with you. So interesting. Yeah. So when I went to, so I graduated King, mm. then went to George Washington University, played baseball, athletic scholarship, a great school, good athletic program, Atlantic 10 at the time. Mm -hmm. So I spent three years at GW and I said to myself, you know what? I'm just not happy with where I see baseball going. Okay. Academics is great. Uh, friendship is great. Camaraderie, DC, hands down, one, oh, yeah. one of the best, just like Boston. So you'll experience that. Um, so I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to try and test the waters and see what's next. So I took a release out of my scholarship, and this is me going into my senior year, right? So my yeah. parents think I'm a little crazy. A little crazy. A little nuts. 
But in this time of life, you sort of push and learn and say, you know, sometimes you got to take a chance. Mm. And taking a chance could result in something good or, or maybe not, but right. you got to try it. Right. So I was, every summer during college, I would go out to a different location. Most of the time it was California to play in a wood bat league. And I said to myself, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to market myself and market myself hard, which is a good lesson because going into marketing for work and, and understanding how to talk about yourself and showcase yourself is important. So doing it as a junior in college was, was a pretty cool lesson right. for me. So I did that. I, I went out to L.A. and uh, promoted myself across the country to a bunch of different college coaches. Luckily, come about mid-July, I had a couple coaches say, hey, I want to come see you. Mm -hmm. I had the Rice coach, uh, Rice University, which is an, an unbelievable university. They call it the Harvard of the South. Didn't yeah. really know much about it, to be honest with you. And uh, coach called me said, we lost our catcher to the draft, and we're coming out to see you. Called my parents, told them what was going on. They didn't really know Rice. And then we started to do a little background, and we were kind of wowed by yeah. it. Because I think the whole time that my mindset was, let's trade athletics for an amazing academic education. Right. And uh, that was my goal, knowing that playing Major League Baseball is tough. And, you know, would there be burnout? Would there not be burnout? So long story short, Coach came out, did really well. And uh, he offered me a scholarship. And next thing you know, in about three weeks, I was off to Houston, Texas, to do two years and graduate from Rice University and best decision ever met former presidents uh sons uh relatives mm -hmm. um played in the college world series in, in 1997 i uh, got two rings for winning the southwest conference which was the last wow. year of the west conference so pretty awesome experience but i think the life lesson is take a chance right sometimes you, you, you the unknown is a little scary right but i think if you have the opportunity to, to try it do it because you don't know what what's going to lead down that path right I think, and confidence is what makes that unknown infinitely less scary. Yes. Like you were pretty sure of yourself. You knew you'd come out on top, right? I think the whole time you have to believe in yourself. Right. I think through life, a lot of people will try to tear you down. And mm -hmm. I think the only person that can keep you up there is yourself. There's that cheesy line, the, your biggest enemy is, is you. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and we just see have to it. overcome that. Yeah, we see it in tests. We see it in sports. Confidence. So walk with confidence you know, and believe in yourself, and you can accomplish pretty much anything. Yeah. So after you graduated Rice, what did you end up doing? So um, did your I, uh, did your baseball professional baseball dreams come true? So a little bit in some ways. Okay. I, there was burnout. I will say you play so much and you do so much, and I I accomplished a ton in college, and I was mm. really happy with that. I think we played seventy two games at the end of the spring in my wow. senior year at the College World Series. So at that point, I kind of hung up my cleats. My father is a former military, 25 years in, in the military, and uh, intelligence officer, paratrooper. So there was some foresight as to what would come in the future with security. So there was an attempt to work at the uh, Secret Service. So okay. uh, I had alluded a little bit to, to meeting a president. I actually went to school at Rice with Jeb Bush, who's the former governor of Florida's oh, right. son, yeah. um, George Bush Jr., and uh, George Prescott, I should say. And... Um, because of that, I became very close with George 41 and Barbara Bush. Mm. Because they live in Houston, we would go to Easter brunch. We would go to their house for dinner. Through that, I got a recommendation. So George wrote me a recommendation. Which That's a pretty big recommendation. Yeah, <laughs> huge. And it's still on the wall. It's still on the wall. That's awesome. Um, so I used that, and uh, he helped me move forward a little bit in the Secret Service. So I took the test, passed the test. And what happens next is... They bring you in a room, and they start to ask you a variety of different questions, sort of to see your reactions, see if you sort of break. And uh, knowing my father's history with intelligence, he prepped me really, really well. Well, long story short, I get through the process, and this is about six months, a couple different interviews. And one of the last interviews, a few of the agents in the room said, you know, I'm looking at your sheets, and it seems like you have corrected vision. 
I was like, sure, yes, I do. I definitely do. Um, I said I wear contacts and glasses. He's like, well, we have to stop right here, unfortunately, because you can't move forward with contacts and or glasses in the in the Secret Service. Really? Really wild. So I painstakingly studied for the test, passed the test, did what I had to do in preparation for all the interviews. And I had the choice of getting corrected vision or not with LASIK. And back right. then I was like, I don't know if it's something I'm interested in. So long story short, told um, President or former President Bush, George 41, and uh, wrote me a great letter and told me, hey, Rob, we, we confirmed that is exactly what happened. We'd be happy to recommend you to the uh, CIA and or the ATF, I believe, wow. um, which has a little less stringent requirements. Right. And uh, or feel free to use my name moving forward for business. So I took the latter. And uh, I thought the easiest way to get out of my parents' house after graduating college was to go Business. west. Yeah. So I went west, and I moved to uh, Los Angeles in Santa Monica, California, and uh, worked really hard to get my first job and literally took my resume, passed it underneath doors, went every specific place I could and networked all I could, all I, all I could find, and landed at MTV Networks. Um, MTV. Which at yeah. that time, right? Total Request Live, Carson right. Daly. It Killing it, top of the business. Unbelievable business. You, you couldn't get bigger. Right. And to be in LA and in Santa Monica and be around that type of entertainment, it was the best first job I, you could ever ask for. 100. I can imagine. That'd be amazing. Yeah, you're That'd going to the MTV job. Movie Awards, you're mm. going to the VG, VMA. It, it's incredible. Um, so, in reality, I really learned how to do sales in that role um, because what they would do really uniquely is they would have a show like Total Request Live, which mm -hmm. is in a studio, and all of a sudden they would take it to Hawaii, and all of a sudden they would charge more for it because it's at a special location, right. which is brilliant. Brilliant. Exactly. Same show, same right. characters, just different location, and we're charging more for it. It's like charging different for grocery stores in, in Fairfield County versus yes. in uh, middle Wyoming. Exactly. Right? Yep. Same idea. Mm -hmm. So it was a great uh, learning to start off my career, and I think that's the other thing. I think when you start off your career, find a good company that has a great name um, that you can really learn from. And I think the adage of also working at a big company, sometimes people think you do a lot more than you normally do. Mm -hmm. um, but nonetheless, that MTV logo on my resume has gone a long way and meant a lot. And it's also a great foundation for people to learn from. And people in the industry knew that. Um, but again, it was I chose a place that I knew I would enjoy, that I could really want to get up every morning and do. And what a great conversation piece, right? right? To talk about TRL and videos and you, you yeah. couldn't get better. Yeah. So that, that's kind of the start of how it all started after graduating. I keep thinking of my one of my best friends has an MTV t-shirt he's still wearing. Like MTV hasn't been huge for a couple no. of years, but it, it left an impact. Yeah, it, it left an impact. It, it's the, the beginning of what Vivo tried to become yep. and what now um, all these other streaming movie and uh music services have become now. Right? And when you think of the business model, they were using other people's content, the music right. videos, right. to build a brand. It's brilliant. Right. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Right? It's sort of like Facebook Today and, and right. other content social right. channels. You personally are building content for a company right now. Right. Spotify, YouTube, that's where you can find your, your podcast. Right. Spotify, YouTube, Audubon. Exactly. <laughs> I, just, I just handed it to you, yeah. didn't I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we try to get as many places as possible. Yeah. Uh, in the hopes that you know people can pick up whatever they use, and it's right there. Exactly, it's right there. Um, so yeah, uh, it's brilliant. It's yeah, brilliant, and it it's is. what it's what so many Instagram accounts do. You know, I actually used to run an Instagram account that literally just reposted people's videos of them working out. Oh, That's no it. Kidding. That's and people it. People watched it. People watched it. I got yeah. I had a thousand followers within the month. Yeah, it's, it was it was ridiculous. It's people fascinating it. the folks that can make mm -hmm. money by just creating content. And right. as I said earlier, content is king. Right. So the more content you 100%. produce, the more opportunity you have. And uh, 
the distribution channels now versus when I was growing up, totally different. Right. And good content. Yeah. Will right. rise to the top. Right. Like yeah. you've seen Mr. Beast. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Huge. That, that's the prime example of a yeah. man. I watched um I watched a podcast of him explaining how he got this this method of making videos. Yep. He pretty much repeats the same thing every time. Yep, he's got a he charity watched, angle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Charity angle, plays video games now. <laughs> like, yep. He watched thousands of hours uh, of videos on the algorithm of YouTube, on what wins, what right. loses, and the result was him having 100 million subscribers. Yeah. Like, the and, best content will rise to the top. And making millions and millions, millions of dollars. $50 million yeah. this year. It's fascinating, and, it and that's a great example, and that's the example we use a lot mm. um, with regards to influencers. There's right. a real business there, and uh, we spend a great deal of money on using influencers for G Fuel, mm. um, mainly because a lot of folks, and for you too, people aspire to be like you, right? Because what you're doing right now, people want to sit in your chair, want to wear the headphones, want to talk in the mic. And so, I can see why. I'm having a great time ex- doing exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> why wouldn't I? You're smiling. You know, you've got product placement here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, why wouldn't they? But that's the idea behind you know, influencers. Mm. They, people aspire to be like them. They want to be like Mr. Beast. They want to be like the folks they see on Instagram. They want to look like that model and or that fitness person. So it's a really wild time for influencers that right. they can make a great deal of money doing what they really love. Right. Right. And as you said, so many platforms to make it happen. Yeah. So it, many more popping up every I just saw YouTube starting some new thing called well, it's just YouTube, YouTube with shorts. a U. Yeah. Yeah. Um and there's more and more popping up. Yep. I remember Mixer was a thing for a little while. Yep. Um Twitch is huge. There's just something new every couple months. And all with that business model of other oh, people yeah. creating content. Right. Which is brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Saves them a lot of energy. That Agreed. much I know. Totally yeah. true. Yeah. Totally true. You got to moderate the content outside of right. that. Someone else is doing all the heavy lifting. And then there's also the reverse, though, which has become more and more popular. Netflix. They yeah. used to just post other people's stuff. Now they make their own stuff. Correct. Right? Which is some of the best in the business. Yeah. Agreed. It's Agreed. crazy how it works. There's yeah. there's many ways to go about succeeding in this market. Agreed. But again, the underlying factor is content is king. Right. So the companies that have content and own content are the ones that are going to stick stick around forever. Right. Yeah. Um, you think about uploading your photos, right? Everyone takes photos and they love taking them and they love posting them. Right. Uh, that's a business in itself. That Those numbers, watching the likes go up. Yeah. It's so addicting. I've had this conversation right. on another podcast actually. Uh, it's it's bad how addicting it is to watch the numbers tick up. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's an addicting, and they know it. They know you oh, talked yeah. about algorithm for Mr. Beast, but there's an algorithm for Facebook, for Amazon. Yeah. So they know what you're doing. They know your habits, and that's the interesting part. Like data is probably right behind content. Right. Companies that own data, Amazon knows exactly what you want to order, when you want to order, and how you want to order it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing what they can do with that. You know, there's uh, the conspiracy theory that your phone's always listening to you, that yeah. it knows what you're saying. You know, I never bought into it because I knew they didn't need that. <laughs> they it's know exactly what you want without yeah, it. It's true. Yeah. You're, you're clicking history, where mm-hmm. you're going to go when you're, when you're searching something, time of the day. It's pretty wild, and, and it's wild how they use it and how they reuse it and sometimes how they resell it. Right. And I honestly... Part of me doesn't even mind because it, do, it does actually go towards the expe- your experience. They're trying to find the best possible product to shove in your face. I'd rather get something that I might actually be interested in than some totally random product, if you know what I mean. 100% agree yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah. I, I, my daily ritual, literally, because I need snackable content, mm. is to look at my Google feed. And they populate that Google feed knowing what I search for throughout right. the day or throughout the night. And uh, that's exactly good for me. And to your point, pinpointing the exact information that I'm looking to see and or advertisements, 
It's okay with me too. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. Agreed. The only thing I do mind is when I spend an hour on Instagram. Just yeah. scrolling. Yeah, that's when I start to mind. But uh, <laughs> exactly. Or when I took my credit card out to buy that product that they and then like, put in front uh, of me. Put it down. Like, exactly. Yeah. Do I really need this? It's really <laughs> unique, though. Yeah. So after MTV. Yeah. After MTV, how long did you stick at MTV? So and MTV was a wild time. So economy is good, mm-hmm. um, but there was hints of of the web. I would say 1.0 right. starting to come. Uh, you saw some companies starting to flourish. Uh, so I was there for three years, which took me to around the 2000, 2001 timeframe. Around the bubble. Right? Bubble. Yep. So what I was interested in, you're hearing a lot of the digital information coming up, these really cool companies that were sort of coming in and, and making some noise and making fun noise, which is as a right. 24, 25, 26-year-old, you want to be around fun. Mm-hmm. right? I don't want to be in a corporate environment that's not fun and especially leaving MTV. So what I did, which was interesting, was I started to interview a lot of the older executives at MTV. I did a lot of that. Why did I do that? Because you have to remember, MTV back in the day came around when there was just really ABC, NBC, and CBS. Mm -hmm. So they were sort of a stepchild. People are like, cable TV? What's cable TV all about? They were the baby at the time. Exactly, they were. So these are folks that were there at the infancy stages when it was really unorganized. And I said to them, what made you leave an NBC to go to MTV? And they said, Rob, this was the future. We saw it. First, it was supposed to be no commercials, mm-hmm. you know, great content. It was edgy. It was hip. It was 18 to 24-year-old. Like, this is it. But what I'm telling you this and why I'm telling you this is because I think you should start to look into the digital platforms. Why? Because it's in the same time frame as what they were doing 20 years earlier right. for MTV. So I did that. So uh, ironically, my mother read an article about a company called Broadband Sports, which was supposed to be the ESPN of the web. Um, Unique business model. We had fantasy sports, which we all knew fantasy sports now is Mm. huge. Um, We also went out and signed about 500 athletes to the point where we owned their online rights, which is sort of unheard of if you think about them and what they do online. But you literally would have an athlete, and if they wanted to post something online, they would have to go through us. So the idea was, we'll create your official web page. We'll then work with you. And if you're signed by Nike, we'll go to Phil, Phil, Phil Knight, ask for advertising dollars. It's somewhat of a no-brainer, right? Right. Um, so the model was interesting. We also created broadband video, which unfortunately at that time, the video opportunities for because of broadband not being everywhere right. was, was, was tough. Slim. But yeah. we created crib style. If you remember MTV Cribs, yeah. we created those kind of yeah. style videos for online. And we'd go into these athletes' homes and do really unique and fun content. So... You hear it a lot, but we were way before our time. Right. And then, as you mentioned earlier, the bubble came. So, unfortunately, we went bankrupt, but we had every big name in the sports industry there. And I say that because it only lasted about a a year and a half. But with that, you know, looking back, I would 100% do it again, Mm -hmm. even though it only lasted a year and a half. So, we talked about jumping from different jobs. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily a jump. But I certainly would have done it even knowing I would walk into it and it would end after a year and a half because sometimes you learn a ton when a company goes bankrupt. You learn the good and the bad, which you sometimes can't get a chance to do. But it was really fun, which I always say is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really got to start something new and also not be afraid to redo my resume. And I think if you go through your career and you're not doing a resume and looking for a job until 15, 20 years later, it's a little scary. I got to do it in my second job. Right. So I already knocked that out, and, and it built that confidence factor to say, if I lose a job again, I'll be okay. I'll find another right. one. But yeah. it was a wild time. I can I can say that I was there for the bubble. Um, people were spending like crazy. I think we built a game room that must have been eight nine million dollars, thinking these athletes would come and play in our game room, which would never have happened because they had eight nine million dollar homes. They had their own game room. They don't exactly. need yours. <laughs> they didn't need ours. 
but nonetheless, it was a really cool education. And mm-hmm. uh, working with fantasy football and, and sports in that generation was was amazing as well. Um, and from there, I uh, sort of took a couple seconds. I searched it out, and I said, what's going to be hot and what's going to be big next? I went right to fantasy sports, and I contacted a company called yeah. Sandbox.com, okay. which eventually got bought by – uh, NBC Universal, and okay. I was there for about four years, and we were having a lot of fun uh, fantasy. Right, yeah. the biggest issue was people thought it was gambling, so you had to kind of understand and let right. them know that they had huge purchasing power because these folks really understood numbers, um, and it was the wave of the future. And uh, we did some really cool stuff, and uh, it was a fun ride. And then eventually we sold, and I'm back on the street trying to find another job, and it, and it just worked out well. But um, the experience itself was pretty amazing. Right. I mean, fantasy is definitely still around. That goes without saying. Huge. 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 huge even bigger than ever right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So being able to see the curve and getting around the curve is also half the battle, too. Yeah. I knew fantasy was going to stick around, even when there were a lot of naysayers saying, oh, it's a guy's sport. Only guys do it. It's gambling. It's mm. ex- expensive. And then look at look at it now. The daily fantasy world is humongous. You look past the noise of this won't work, you realize... It's what every guy wants. Yeah. Everyone wants to run their own sports team. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't we do? Exactly. So, yeah, totally. Look past the uh, look past what everyone's saying. Yeah, uh, and yep. another lesson where people are going to tell you it's not the right direction a lot, mm. and you just got to go with your heart and what you believe in, and, and run with it and see. And then the other part is, I always talked about having a story. So, I knew that that year and a half at broadband, I could build a story. I started something brand new. I mm. searched out my my boss eventually. I searched out the company. I read about it. And then I knew that when I had to get in front of another interview, I had a great story to tell of why I just did what I did. Right. And I think that's the important part. Every place you go, will you be able to tell a story from it? Um, right. We talked earlier about WWE storytelling. Life is storytelling, as is jobs. And you and I are storytelling right now. Right. And, and we're doing a great job, might, <laughs> might I say. Might I, say. <laughs> I still think I'm talking a little too much. No, you're, keep you're going. This is exactly what I want, yeah. actually, because I get enough screen. I've had 15 episodes of me saying talking. what I need to say, so I'm happy to hear the guests, yeah. the guests go off. Well, I think yeah. the best content is that riffing back and forth, and, yeah. and that's kind of the natural part of, of talking, and, and you get a lot more out of it, and uh, you don't know what direction you're going in, but that's also the fun part of not having a scripted and having to go right. in that direction. It's more um, fun to listen to a conversation, listen yeah. to a question and answer. Very much so. Right. Very right. much so. Mm-hmm. So that sandbox job brought me back to the East Coast, which was also part of me of what I wanted to do. That 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 um, that boss for broadband sports was based in the East Coast, and I also had an inclination because of the mentor he was for me that I would get a chance to actually work for him again. Mm-hmm. Um, and ironically, two more times he called me and said, "Hey, I want you to come." And that was menshealth.com, which was a cool sort of. It oh, fit yeah. my lifestyle. You know, put your mountain bike in, in your SUV and go mountain biking for the world for the mm. you know for the weekend. Kind of the mindset that I always took in life, and uh, that was just a healthy, active lifestyle mentality that uh, was enjoyable to work around. Good content. Again, readers want to read that. Visitors want to see that. Right. Um, and uh, that's the other part is position yourself with good people, mentor wise, that you can learn from and that you know will be there because you'll run through a wall for good people. Right. And uh, that boss, Tom Busey, is just an amazing guy who taught me a lot but also believed in me. And I think you want to work hard for folks that believe in you because when somebody gives you a chance and you can run through that wall for them, you, you want to do everything you possibly can for them. So right. very grateful for him. And, uh, and and I did it again at a third time when he called me out of Sports Illustrated to come work for him. So um, life is all about who you know. Right. And I think when you can network and you can keep those contacts going, uh, you don't know what it's going to turn into, but uh, just – being aware of where they are, being aware of who they are and what they're doing, is uh, it goes a long way with keeping a relationship moving. Yeah. Being around good people, being around, especially good people you look yeah. up to. 
Agreed. Um, I mean, there's nothing better. I mean, if you surround yourself with people that don't don't support what you think, or well, I should say that differently. Uh, if you're around people that are not gonna make you better, then it, what's the benefit? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Agreed. you know. Um, so you went to uh, Men's Health. You said. Yep. How long were you there for? So I was at Men's Health for about three years as well. Three years. Um, and eventually from men's health and this is again remember it's during mm-hmm. the digital time so i'm always doing digital even though i was changing. at a, yeah. a, a company like men's health which was a print magazine for the most part um but because i had such great knowledge of digital at that time i was sought after so i yeah. knew i could make more money right and i think another lesson in life is once you get into a company and you negotiate that first contract you're going to get little raises, 3%, 4%, 5%, but mm-hmm. it's going to take a long time to get a big jump in, in salary. Right. What I learned quickly was I could jump from a job to another job and, and really increase my salary um, and potential back end, which as a salesperson is really important. Right. Um, and because of all those factors, yeah, I took another stop uh, at another company and uh, I went to Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. And um, again, big fan of Sports Illustrated, but never sought it out. Um, it just came to you. Just came to me. Just came to you. I, I met another guy that said, "Hey, I have an opportunity for you," and uh, that turned into a great boss. Who, unfortunately, which again, throughout my career, a lot of bosses have been there in the beginning and then gone somewhere else right yeah. after. Um, but how could you complain about Sports Illustrated? I went to every event you could think of, whether right. it was the Super Bowl, the NBA championship. We had ski houses in Utah. Wow. It, wow. The swimsuit parties. It was incredible. So unfortunately, every bachelor's dream. Yeah, yeah. right. Of course. Yeah. So uh, I couldn't say enough. We had amazing advertisers. We could do great content. We had amazing photography. Mm. Um, and it was at the cusp of the iPad coming in. And so now you have another distribution points right. and mobile being right. big. Um, so it, it was an amazing opportunity. The amazing part, though, about Sports Illustrated is it should be much more than it is right now. It's a major really? brand. It should be ESPN. Right. In reality. Right. It has the history, has the, the future, has the photography, the storytelling. the content. Yeah. Content the is king. Content is king. Yeah. It storytells better than WWE ever storytells. Mm. Um, it uncovers content, right? Because it does right. the investigative reporting. As every big name in the sports industry yeah. and the, on its fingertips. Okay, right? Agreed. Ready and to go. To be on the cover, it was coveted. Right. Even though they talked about the SI jinx, which I do think was a little bit true. When you're on the cover, your career started to right. kind of falter right. a little bit. Um, so there's yeah. history there. Um, but interesting times that they just didn't know what to do. They eventually got bought by Time Warner. Mm-hmm. Time Warner owned TNT and TBS, which right. still had sports. Uh, eventually, they created Bleacher Report. Right. But they didn't couldn't find their niche. Bleacher Report's another brands like it's it should be more than it is. Correct. Right. Cor- agreed. And yeah. you have TV outlets, but they don't really promote it the way it is. So there was a little frustration mm. because of me getting in early with the web. It accelerated my mindset to knowing right. that we could do much more here. This is what we should be. Yeah. Why yeah. are we stagnated into this just area where we know it's not going to be there for right. a couple of years down the road? So um, that gentleman who I worked for, Tom Busey, called me and said, Rob, I'm going to do something pretty unique. And I want you to be about the third or fourth employee coming on board. And he said, I, I just pitched USA Today, which we all know is a newspaper mm-hmm. with five different sections with a little color on each oh, yeah. one. Um, and a pretty good sports section at times. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to come into that company, and you're going to help me with it, and we're going to take a local look at it, a sort of vertical look, and a wide look, which was national. Mm-hmm. Um, they owned local broadcasting. They owned verticals, 
across the areas right. like NASCAR and others that official sponsorships with. And then they had obviously the, the larger footprint of the USA Today, which reached all across the country. And what we're going to do is we're going to tell advertisers that we can reach the local, the national, and the vertical. Pretty unheard of if you think about it. Right. ESPN, you're just reaching that top. Reaching. It's, it's, a blanket. it's a blanket. It's a blanket. You no, know, as opposed to, yeah. So I can now tell that message to that local NASCAR stop in Boise, Idaho, mm. in the same way through their local newspaper, through their local television station, and then even larger through a nationally distributed newspaper. Um, and then creating websites for the win, which was the one that we created, which is really snackable content and understood how content was working. So we went in there with a pretty cool business plan, and it was fun. I think as you see, the successful companies and businesses are ones that want to change and make change, not right. the ones that want to just right. continue staying there. And, and we identified quickly that USA Today just wanted to stay the way they were, but there was huge potential to marry all the different business units into one and capitalize mm -hmm. on it. So we quickly became, I think, the number three top uh, visited website when we compiled everything for wow. sports. Um, and we really started to attack advertisers in a way that they hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. And that was the storytelling that I started to tell as a salesperson was that we can reach customers in ways you've never reached them before um, and do this in a really creative way. Um, not to mention, look at old assets like the newspaper and say, okay, wait, this ad doesn't really work. Let's do a half-page ad. Let's take over the entire header, mm -hmm. and let's really have fun with it. Right. So we did that for a little while, and unfortunately, for about we did that for about two and a half years. Some of the old companies get a little frustrated, right, when they don't see the results immediately, and right. unfortunately, they, they kind of cut the cord for us on that sort of part of it. And uh, I moved on to uh, WWE, and that was my yeah. next step for WWE, which uh, I lasted eight years. Um, an amazing environment, but you have to remember with WWE, it never turns off. Right. Through right. 500 events, 365 days a year, holidays, mm -hmm. um, pay per view events. Especially holidays. Yeah, especially the, yeah. holidays. And then the amazing part traveling circus. So it's not in the same studio every day. Right. It's in a different location right. every day. A lot of movement for you, too. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the longest episodic television show in the history of TV, mm -hmm. more than The Simpsons, which yeah. is pretty crazy to think yeah. about, on every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, nationally televised Fox and USA Today channel. Mm -hmm. So you had a powerhouse of a company, but it never shot off. Right. So you're always on. But my work mentality and my mindset was always just work hard. At the end of the day, if you can close the book and say, you know what, I gave 110%. I'd be pretty happy. Right. So the companies that I picked that you see all had a sort of an area of good content. That was what I always knew would make me a better seller because I already had an ingrained fan base. Right. So Men's Health, Sports Illustrated, USA Today, all had fan bases that gravitated to their content. So for me, I was like, okay, if I can be innovative and create cool opportunities, I have an audience. And sometimes right. the audience, as you're doing right now with your podcasts, which are available on Spotify, YouTube, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Audible, Audible Samsung, Samsung, apparently. Everywhere, yeah. live right now. <laughs> live right now. Um, that's, that's the most important part. You need distribution, but you also right. need a fan base. So right. I picked companies that really had that. And then when I, when, I, when I left WWE, the opportunity with G Fuel was really cool because six years ago, G Fuel was really just a powder company where you mix it with a shaker and, and it's energy, and that was right. great. And then there were some ideas that we worked on when I was at WWE, which was licensing. Right. So all of a sudden, you're holding a can right now with Spider-Man on it. I am, That's yeah. a licensing program. G Fuel. Exactly. It's so good. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a licensing deal. So when I was at 
Russell, uh, when I was at WWE, we licensed to them The Undertaker and The Rock okay. and all of these major figures for them to put on their shaker cups. Right. So all of a sudden, we talked about TRL taking it out to a new location. All of a sudden, you're selling the same shaker cup, but you're putting an image on it. Right. An image that people have really cool fandom for. You've heard the Kate Spade story, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same deal. Exactly. Same deal. Nobody cared about the bag until it had that weird, tiny logo on it. Suddenly, everybody wanted one. Exactly. Right. So you see right through. Licensing is powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that was cool. So I had worked with them throughout the, the six or eight years I was at WWE in a various uh, ways. We, we took Dr. Disrespect, who is a major yep. gamer. Yep. We married him with The Undertaker and created a whole series throughout about a week of the Undertaker sort of creating havoc in their stu- in his studio. So all of a sudden, you start seeing colors of purple change, and right. you start seeing his Ferrari get all messed up. Right, right. Um, and what we did was we married two different worlds, the old school world and the new world with mm-hmm. Dr. Disrespect and Undertaker, and that was just fun content that we created. Right. So they called me and said, Rob, we've got a cool opportunity for you to come in here, kind of just take a look at the company and, and, and help us. You've got a wide variety of, of, of history and experience, and we think you can do something. So for me... This is the first time I've ever been on the client side. So my world is always okay, going to the G yeah. Fuel and asking them for money. Mm. Now I'm actually going out and spending money. Right. So I'm spending money on marketing. I'm spending money on um, on influencers. But I'm also using my marketing mindset to create cool content and activations. Right. As an example, we went out and uh, signed Mikel Bridges, a, a yep. basketball star for the mm. Phoenix Suns. And so I look at him and I say, okay, he's not probably going to push a coupon code online very well. Right. But he will activate well at retail. So we create a whole big idea here that's going to be a stunt, and people are going to go Circle K in Phoenix, Arizona. They're going to mm-hmm. have a chance to shoot three-point shots over a standee of him with an outreached arms. Really right. amazing. Win G Fuel prizes. Also see Mikhail for a meet and greet. Mm-hmm. But that's the sort of fun ideas I'm bringing now to G Fuel with regards to right. bringing things to life. Um, and the Mikhail Bridges is a great example of using a marketing mindset, seeing an athlete and an influencer, understanding what he's going to be good at, right. and then bringing some awareness to G Fuel at Circle K. It's true. Most people think that if you just stick someone's name on it, it'll work. Yeah, Kate exactly. Spade was the ex- exception here. Right? Correct. Yeah. And it happens sometimes. I, I think it, it does. And, and we have other influencers like Ninja. Ninja has an exclusive Canon Walmart now. So things like that are really important because there's that – Understanding that when you're in Walmart and you see that can and you are familiar with Ninja, you're probably going to buy it. Right. But there are times where it also works on the other side, whereas I need foot traffic at Circle K. Mm. And because of that, the awareness of knowing Mikhail Bridges is going to be there attracts an audience. Right, right. Yeah, so you need to marry two ideas, essentially, in order to make it as yeah. beneficial as possible. Very much so, but right. licensing works. And for yeah. us, we're becoming a brand that's an entertainment brand where it still has that gaming underlay where you're either the casual fan or the serious fan in terms of gaming. Um, but you also understand you know, that, that you like energy drinks, you like hydration drinks, and uh, it marries the two really well. What was the initial idea in order to put an energy drink for gamers? Well, was we, the idea there? we saw an opportunity where gamers play long nights. Oh, They're yeah. up all day. My, they my brother's a big Big video game player. He never goes to bed. Yeah, exactly. So you need focus. You right. need energy. Right. Um, you need not to crash. All of these things. And you need something healthy, a healthy alternative to some of the other drinks like Red Bull and Monster. So we created G Fuel, and uh, it's worked really well. And like I said, people will mix it in a powder. They'll shake it up. But the idea was to hit a vertical that we knew was one of the hottest verticals. There is literally one gamer in every household in America. 
Wow. And you think about wow. it, either casual or serious, and you're starting to see this, right? NBC creates their own show, G4. Right. You're starting to see, obviously, Twitch, which is Amazon-owned, mm-hmm. blow up. People will watch people wa- play video games. Yeah. So like what you're doing here with the podcast, people figured out that they can make a lot of money by playing what they love, which is video games. Right. And right. become stars. We're talking about Dr. Disrespect. He's a star. Mm-hmm. But the great part about Dr. Disrespect is he created an image very similar to the images that WWE superstars create, which is a persona. He's right. created a persona that people look at and they're a little bit mesmerized by. They don't quite get it. This guy behind a costume, he looks different, right. he looks real, but who is he really? And those are the ones that stand out. So you look at companies like UFC and you say, okay, well, I, UFC's fun, it's good, it's cool, boxing is cool, but... Where's the character in right. these folks? And that's what they're missing. Nobody watches, I'm going to say this right now, nobody watches YouTube, people on YouTube, people on Twitch for the, the game. No. It's very rare. Yeah, agreed. It's almost always for the personality. Same with WWE. Um, I don't watch The Undertaker because he's a good wrestler. Yeah. I'm sure there are way better wrestlers in the world, but he is very entertaining. Yeah. Right? The, the ones who can create right. characters are the ones that work, and, mm-hmm. and I think you're seeing that in a lot of these different leagues, whether it's the Professional f- Fighting League and, and others. You just The entrance, the minute you put an entrance song on at WWE, mm-hmm. the fans go crazy. crazy. Right, And people yeah. know John Cena's song. Oh, yeah. Like, it's incredible. Oh, you, hear, yeah. you know what that is. Yeah. So it's marrying that correlation with uh superstars and athletes and and even now you see it sometimes with people walking up to bat and baseball they're they're starting to see what wwe did mm-hmm. and they're trying to copy it and i think the ones that will do it well will create personas and characters that you start to talk about um and i think that's really important for longevity of companies right is to build that sort of character persona at the end of the day that's where the money is too yeah that's it is the money is for for the person as well for the company oh yeah think for, about what Andre it's a win-win yeah right it's a win all around it's a win all around appearances and right uh, licensing deals and television shows and movies. We talk about The Rock. Mm. The Rock is the greatest example of them all. WWE is, I think, it's probably the best example. Yeah. Of people making a persona out of themselves and then taking it with them. Andre the Giant, like you said, turned into a movie star. Yep. For some reason, he's awesome. Everyone loves him. Uh, John Cena, I said earlier, Dave Batista. Yep. All Double these big seven. guys. Yeah. All agreed. these big guys. Uh, and it's crazy how they've managed to do that. It's great. And I, of course, I assume WWE helps them do that as well because it, it benefits them. It's a win-win, as Agreed. we said. I think yeah. you, you learn that these folks are great athletes, but they're storytellers, but they also memorize lines really well. Right. And they know how to perform and they know how to bring a crowd. But we talked about what you're doing here in podcast and building up your, your foundation of fans. Mm-hmm. They have an ingrained fan, fan base already. Right. right. Um, and we talked actually about publishing books and what your mom is doing, which is super awesome in the series. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, but when you want to try to get something published, they want an automatic ingrained fan base. So what movie studios see quickly with the WWE is these folks have five, six, 20 right. million followers on Instagram and Facebook. That's an easy promotion when I'm putting a movie out. So why right. don't we just transition them from WWE into a movie? Yeah. So it, it's pretty interesting when you when you think about it and, and the dynamics that go about selecting these superstars. Is pretty cool. The harder conversation is uh, how do you get yourself up to that point, um, which is – I say a harder conversation because no one really knows who to talk to for it. Like, who do you go to to figure out how do I get five, six million followers in the first place, right? For WWE, it's a little different uh, because, you know, they have the TV. They have the platform to do so. Uh, but people like Dr. Disrespect, he had to have started somewhere. Um, 
where that point is. I don't know. You'd have to ask him. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's true. It's it's finding a niche, and, and I think mm -hmm. you. We talked about Mr. Beast. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. Finding the niche, and then also working with like-minded folks in that way. Right. So the Undertaker and Dr. Disrespect actually worked for each other in a way because that is a whole new audience that Dr. Disrespect's audience probably right. didn't know with the Undertaker and vice versa. Right. So all of a sudden the Undertaker grabbed different visitors and different likes and different followers because they were tapping into a new audience. And Mr. Right. Beast does that really well. Oh yeah, all the collaborations he does, all the ridiculously expensive and extravagant videos. Exactly. You know, it draws people in. Exactly. But right. we talked about distribution a couple times in this mm -hmm. conversation. Distribution is huge, but you'll get paid if you have distribution. So right. it's a matter of getting your name out there, having something unique and different, uh, bringing on good guests like you're doing now. I think you're bringing on a good guest. Yeah, I'm bringing on right? a great guest. Actually. Of course, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think you, you, you alluded earlier that I was the oldest guest, which I'm okay with. I don't mind being the oldest guest. I think that's a good thing. I prefer Experience. the term most experienced. Thank guest. you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely have a lot of interesting stories. To tell. Yeah, for sure. Right. And then I think we were talking, we talked about your mom's books, but something kind of fun for what we did during COVID. So work was going well. I was at WWE and uh, COVID hit. And my dad over the years, I think from about 2000 to 2010, mm -hmm. would just write stories. But the story started to be written when I asked him, I just don't know exactly what you did, dad, when I was growing up. You're always away. Right. I just, can you put it in writing and just give me a little bit of an idea so I can better understand what you were doing while you were always away? And that turned into about a 350-page novel that we haven't wow. published yet called bad boy that uh really gave me an understanding of it's a, it is a title, <laughs> a title and definitely says it all mm -hmm. um but gave me a great understanding of what dad was all about and uh from there he got so motivated by it for and we term it now the second chapter that he actually sat in that basement of my parents home which had a broken chair a desktop computer that was sold windows wouldn't even update on it a table that was below where right. you would be sitting just the worst at all i actually of. read a very similar description of this on his website yeah <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah that's harrysalkligman.com oh, mm -hmm. um but yeah so he sat down there and just wrote novels and novels and novels we'd print them out at, at the local print store mm -hmm. and uh, my family my girlfriends my friends would all read them which was really wild and they would correct what they could and then they would fall back into a cardboard box well right. they sat there and dad continued writing a little bit and then i went to mom and dad i said covid is just boring like, let's do something fun. Right. So what we did was we actually self-published a bunch of different books. The first one hit in November 20, uh, called The Profession in mm -hmm. uh, or 2020, I should say. And uh, this allowed my mother, my father, and I to sit in front of the, each other in a kitchen table and in some ways argue about punctuation. Right. So you talk about family dynamics, and right. then you talk about that dynamic and mm -hmm. how your parents and you were going back and forth. But long story short, uh, we're on our ninth novel. We're on our fourth uh, audio book um, and we're doing our fourth uh, illustrated children's book so okay. just things that when you look at life you're like should we do this should we not do this and all of a sudden you have an 85 year old guy now that has a second chapter in life that has left a legacy for me family and uh, other readers of, of his content so pretty wild ride that when you think about what COVID was and how demoralizing it was to so mm -hmm. many it was probably the best time of my life and still has because we, we've continued doing it. Um, it's recreated someone who's at 85 years old and loves what he's doing right now and right. loves the, uh, the reviews that occur on Amazon and others just to hear about the, the enjoyable um, experiences of people reading his content and knowing them. And it's all fiction, but it's all really uh, true experiences. Right. And as dad right. coins it, like a circus collects animals, he has collected characters over the course of his lifetime and now right. they're coming to life. In, in, in a printed work. I mean, that's a great example of uh, life is what you make of it. Yeah. You use the uh, the downtime 
to do something that you've always wanted to do. That's a lot of thing. That's something a lot of people said they were going to do, but didn't end up doing during COVID. Yeah, yeah. agreed. And yeah. and goes back to again all the way back to when I left GW to go to Rice. Right? Why regret something that you have a chance to do? Take a chance and do it. And that same example of GW to Rice and the success that was brought with Rice College World Series, mm. great education, meeting sons of governors and presidents and all right. of that, um, was exactly that. It's not being complacent and not being just satisfied with what you've done and where you are, but saying, hey, there's a lot more life to live, yeah. a lot more things to experience. And uh, what's exciting for me is to sit across the desk here and know that you're about to see it all. You're going to Boston. You're going to Boston College. Mm-hmm. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to have the, the four years of this, the best four years of your life so i you got to be excited but i'm jealous in so many ways because i want to live it with you again so well i'm super excited for that uh mainly for the the first reason you discussed uh, meeting new people yeah. i always i love meeting new people clearly that's why i do this mainly because i get to have an hour-long conversation with a different person every week um but we just got back i had orientation a couple of weeks ago actually uh, they do it at the beginning of the summer for some reason and I met so many interesting people from all over the country, all over the world. And, you know, orientation, I always say to myself, is meant to give you the ropes, teach you what, what you are and aren't supposed to do at college, not necessarily get you super interested. Yep. I'm more ready than ever <laughs> to, yeah. go, to go to Boston now. Yep. Um, and, you know, mainly because uh, it's the people around you, as I said earlier, it's the people around you that make or break your experience. Yeah, very and, much so. Yeah, I mean... Because of that, I'm, I'm ready to go. And it makes you I'm more worldly. Go. I think the opportunity to meet somebody from South Dakota, from Washington State, from California, from all over mm-hmm. the country is going to, again, set your interest of where do I go after college? Do right. I go out west? Do I go to Chicago and start my career? Do I go to Atlanta? Like, What am I going to do? Where do right. I just come back home and have that familiarity with where I am and maybe work in New York or Connecticut? Right. Um, but you're off for an amazing four years and just an incredible uh an incredible city, so uh, right. a lot to be commended for and congratulated for. Right. And a lot of kids, uh, well, I say a lot of kids. Some kids seem to know exactly what they're going to do afterwards already. I have no idea. Yeah. Absolutely no idea. I think I wrote down I was going to major in finance when I got there. That's not, that might not happen. I, it's probably going to change. And does BC have communications because of your success with what you're doing right now? They have a, so it's a management school. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they do have communications. Mm-hmm. Maybe at least not in the business school. Okay. Um, that might be a fun minor, though. Yeah, it might be a fun thing. Very minor. Much so. I think I want to do something with management, though. Yep. Uh, although, as I said, I would love to keep doing this. Yeah. Because it's been a great time. It's been a. It's been like two months, I think. That I've been doing, doing this it. for. Um, and it's been a great time. I've had a lot of fun doing it. And as you said, there's moolah to be made. Yeah. You know, if you if you do the right thing. <laughs> so all I can say is, when you become really big and yep. you're the next Howard Stern. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just remember bring, me. Bring Rob right. Kligman back. Yeah, I'll right. do what I have to do right. to help right. make that moolah for exactly. you. Exactly, exactly. Um, and do it in a really fun way. <laughs> you know, but as we said earlier, content is king. If you make yeah. the content and you enjoy doing it, the worst thing that can happen is that you enjoy doing it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right? At the end yeah. of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the cost factor for something what you're doing right now is not much at all. Thanks to King School, it's not exactly, much. Right? <laughs> exactly. There are some ex- extra yeah, people Yeah, there's here. the thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good lesson of good people and good facilities, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, as I said, like, even if it doesn't work out at the end of the day, I've had a great time doing it Yeah, and I'd love to keep doing it. Yeah. It's a great experience. And we talk about it a lot. Life is experiences. So get out and do the things you could do. Today's Saturday and most people could be sleeping until 12 o'clock, but look what we're doing. Right. We're creating content that hopefully resonates with some of your listeners, um, and gives us an experience and a bond that hopefully we'll continue and keep talking about and reflecting back to at maybe future homecomings and or other gatherings when you're doing what you're doing and work. 
Um, I mean, even when I woke up, I thought I wanted to go back to bed. Yeah, uh, but I now know. I'm having a great time. I do, and I think, like, I've had tiny sips of this so far because there's a lot of caffeine in it, but it's working. Yeah. I feel it. I feel good. Well, well, I'm focusing. I feel great. I have not stopped looking. I, so. stopped. <laughs> I feel great right now. So this is one of the um, the uh, collaborations you did. Yeah. So yeah. that's Marvel, obviously, with mm -hmm. uh, Spider-Man. And what's amazing is it's a limited time offer. So what we did was we put it out only for a certain amount of time. And uh, the cool part about G Fuel is people collect our product, oh, but they really? also consume the product, mm. which is sort of unheard of if you think of a beverage. People will actually put that on their shelf and be pretty proud that it's a, a Spider-Man logoed uh, item. You know, speaking of that, actually, you know Raid? Just yes. the, the spray company? They did something very similar. Yeah. And it's amazing. Pe people collect Raid bottles now. Just yeah. because of the logo and mm -hmm. or the IP. So. Um, we figured out that there was a huge niche there, and you also have to remember, they, there may not be caffeine drinkers and or energy drinkers out there mm -hmm. that, that would have bought that, but once they see Spider-Man on it, that's a whole new audience and right. a whole new vertical that might just buy it and put it on their shelf. Right. So that's the exciting part of where we've expanded and what we've done, and we've gone into the anime area. We know anime is mm -hmm. huge right now. Mm -hmm. We just did a Naruto drop. Um, but oh, really? I can tell my buddy about that. Yeah, I'll be excited. definitely. Yeah. And then we create collector's boxes. So that's the other thing. We'll create an, a limited edition collector's box that looks amazing, right. has a shaker in it with a logo on it, and has uh, the powder in it. Um, and that's a collector's item that people will buy and spend a little more money on it and keep it and keep it on the shelf. And it's an item that they collect and or sell on eBay right. or another marketplace. Once again, a win-win. Exactly. Right? Yeah. They'll spend a little bit more on it, but it's something that they want. Yep. Right. Agreed. So right. you've got people both consuming and collecting. And it's a pretty cool marriage. And it's a company, if you think about Funko Pops, everybody collects those little Funko Pops right. with the big head. Yep. I got a couple of those. Yeah, we yep. all do. And that's kind of what we're becoming. We're becoming the Funko Pop of the beverage world, um, yeah. which is very different than Monster and Red Bull and Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Right. The other part that's really cool is you see Spider-Man on that can, but at the same time, we offer up opportunities for influencers to be on the can. Right. So that's a selling proposition that no other can allows. You're never going to see a face on Coca-Cola, and right. if you are, it's not going to be an influencer that maybe just has 100,000 followers. It's going to be my, you know, someone who's in a major, major celebrity, right. if right. anything. So with that being said, it's, it's opened up a whole new area for – um, influencers to also sort of aim for and strategize for, and mm -hmm. that's kind of neat too. To, we talked about covers of Sports Illustrated. Right. To have your <laughs> your face and your image on a can sitting in Walmart, pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Right. That's I think pretty you've, cool. You've hit it yeah. as a. We talk about the influencers and starting a business and this podcasting, but if you can take this and put it onto something like that, and then be in a nationally distributed chain, it's pretty cool. I'm gonna ask for your advice after this. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's all free. I promise. It's, all right. Um, yeah. So, so you say you take people with like a hundred thousand followers, put them on the cans too. Is it, yeah. What's the process? It, it all, to so, someone there. So you have to remember, like, there's a a flavor tasting process. And, okay. And and with Ninja, we created Cotton Candy, which was a flavor that he really liked. Right. And it fits he, his hair color. Too. Yeah. And he just rebranded. Correct. It does. Right. And he just rebranded. So sort of got a bluish color to it. Um, and there's a process. It doesn't take long, but you want to make it work for their image, mm -hmm. and you want to make it work for their fan base, of course. Um, and then you want to find the retail chain that makes sense for it. For Ninja, it was, it was Walmart. You can't get any bigger. 4,000 stores right. all across the country. But there are others that are limited time, and that might just be in a certain chain like Wawa and or Circle K. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So the retail part is fun. I, we took a really profitable, great business in the powder and understood the fandom behind it. 
and turned it into a ready-to-drink can, which right. if you think about it, makes sense because with the powder, sometimes you have to shake it up and then you have to clean the, the, the canister right. or the yep. shaker, which people do like. But this is so simple. You crack it open, yeah. you drink it, you throw it away, and then you get another one. Yeah. So there's something to be said about or, it. Or you frame it on your wall. Or like, you frame yeah, it on your wall. Your That's call. right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or you buy two, one you drink and one you frame. One you keep, right. Exactly. So the proposition is cool. And, and, and I think you can see in the series of what I've done throughout my career, I wanted to surround myself with fun, cool companies. And whether it's Sports Illustrated, MTV, Broadband Sports, which was really unique mm -hmm. and on cutting the edge. Um, WWE had a great story, as we talked about. And then now G Fuel, which has that same story. So right. it's been a fun ride, but all I can say is if you're looking for a role and you're looking for a job, find a, find a company that you really believe in and you like and you mm -hmm. think is innovating. Because the world moves so fast and, and technology moves so fast. There's not enough time to sit there. Yeah. And right. if you don't have a company that's innovating, you're going to be left like somewhat like MTV. Right. Which didn't innovate and nobody even talks about it anymore. Except for us right now. Yeah. I mean, they better pay it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, I always thought, um, I read this somewhere in a book. Someone was like, the big companies are always the slowest to progress because it's yeah. got to make its way up the chain. Yep. Right. That's why all these new companies are able to swoop in and, you know, steal whatever's there. Exactly. Uh, that's how Netflix came about. Spotify. Uh, back in the day, Apple. Yep. You know, it, Definitely. it took out IBM, took out all the big tech companies and just came out of nowhere because nobody else was fast enough. Correct. Um, so and that looks like that's exactly what G Fuel is doing. Yeah, we're trying to. We're trying to get mm -hmm. become that one billion dollar company, that vitamin water, if you want to say. Right. Um, and it's exciting. You don't get a chance too often to be with a company and a franchise and a brand like this mm -hmm. um so we'll see we'll talk in a couple of years and see where we see are. where it's at exactly yeah i mean as you said um monster's not doing this no. um i don't drink energy companies so i'm out of, out of red, energy red bull, what is it red, red bull, bull red bull monster. monster there's that one with the e on it <laughs> I, I, and to your point right. the difference is it's not a brand right you said right. what what's synonymous what with is G fuel it? gaming it's synonymous, right. but you can't really find the identity of those other mm -hmm. energy drinks. And, mm -hmm. and that's, I think, the differentiation point. So always have a story to tell, right. and the story goes with even something like this. Right. And it's not just pouring money into marketing. No. No. Not so at all. much more to it. Yeah, that. very much so. Yeah. And you've got a product people like and believe in, and yeah. that's important, too, um, because that's where the fandom grows. Okay. Well, uh, I just got the five minute. Well, I got a couple minutes ago, actually. So it looks like we are out of time. Thank you so much for coming. I've had a lot of fun with this conversation. My pleasure. This is awesome. Please invite me back maybe down the road. I would be happy to. I would to. love to come back. I'd be so happy to. And best of luck at college. It's going to be a great experience Thanks, for you. Rob. Appreciate it. All right. I'm going to hit the outro already. Awesome. Ready? Sounds Thank good. Thank you all for listening. See you guys. I made this in GarageBand, by the way. Did you really? <laughs> it's yeah. a